And in just a minute, I'm gonna I'm gonna minister you into the word. But I just wanted to stay. you know it's a fun night. We're gonna have some fun, right? And uh, we're gonna do a little skit for you that's gonna go along with my message tonight, so that you can see how important the word of God is. I think you can hear something and you're gonna forget it, but if and if you see it, you're gonna remember it, and if you can do it, you're gonna understand it. So hopefully tonight, with a little bit of this, you're gonna be able to see and do and understand what God is trying to teach us out of the word tonight. So uh, all of you are part of the skit tonight. You didn't know it, but you are. And um, we have that, that single mic. That We need that mic. She's going to need a mic. Okay, good. Right now, you all think you're ladies at family life, but not, not so. We turn back the clock, and all of you, this is a school, and you are all four and five year olds. Okay? Now, act accordingly. I'm gonna turn it over to your teacher now, and she's gonna tell you about a special treat that you have in school today. All right, boys and girls, if you sit nice and quietly, we'll have a very special presentation. Billy, stop throwing those spitballs. Yes, you, mister. I've arranged with Principal Chris to bring you something I'm sure that you'll all love. Okay, please welcome our guest, the Fun Squad. Get even with me. Hi, boys and girls. We're so glad to be here today. Yes, we are the Fun Squad. And tonight, we're going to talk about the funnest stuff in the whole wide world. And what we want to tell you about is the saving power of Jesus C. Where's Eddie? Eddie? Yeah, Eddie, where is he? Oh, he said he wasn't going to make it tonight. What? Red Faction? I know it's a game. Why is he playing instead of being here? He figured we had enough people. What? Are you kidding me? Look at what we spell. Jesus. Uh, exactly. Now, do you see our problem? Uh-uh. Never mind, Eddie. What to do now? Do the whole show is ruined. We can improvise. Oh boy. I should have stayed home too. <laughs> Okay, I got an I. I need an S. I need an 
Um, what does that mean? It means his, his radio controls, like an airplane. No, no, no. What? It doesn't even make sense. Talking about they're four years old. I have a great idea. I doubt it. Okay, give me an H and an I and a C. It don't matter. <laughs> What's that mean? I don't know. I just felt like doing what they were doing. <laughs> Fine, get back in your spots. Okay, kids. We're here to tell you about the amazing speaking powers of C. G's, I mean, Principal Chris. And he's looking to come into your heart. I mean, um, your house and have some coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Stains. Stains, really? Yeah, when he uses the carpet cleaner to take away those nasty stains. He's not dead. He's not. He's in, the, he's in his office having coffee, removing the stains from his carpet. <laughs> Forget this. You guys are on your own. Now, I hope that that's going to illustrate to you the importance of being in the place that you're supposed to be in. Tonight, we're going to talk about teamwork. I need my, my Bible. I have my Bible. No. But it's part of my team, you see, because here's Michelle. She's taking care of me. She operates like a team. My scarf is crooked. I'm a Cajun. Do you think that matters? <laughs> you like my scarf? I'm glad you like it because Michelle's going to take it home with her tonight. You know, every time I come here, Michelle takes care of me. She makes sure I have everything I'm supposed to have, and she just looks after me. And when I did the ladies' conference and told Timmy, she went to my car and got my luggage out of my car and put it in my room and Loaded it up for me afterwards, and she's always been there for me. So, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now, Michelle, and then I don't have to worry about it messing up. It's just got a little bit of crawfish juice on it. I promise it's not bad. Yeah, yeah give, it to, give it to the 
He'll get the stains out for you. Yeah. <clears throat> now, you know, that skit was funny. But you can see what happened when Eddie decided to stay home. It messed up everything. Because it, it, everybody was not in the place that they were supposed to be in, and it threw everybody off. Well, he just thought that they could do without me. And, you know, a lot of you, God's called you to do something here at Family Life. And the devil will come to you and try to tell you, oh, they got plenty of people that could do that. You don't, you don't need to do that. They, that's a big church, man. Somebody else can do that. But no, because God's called you to do it. And if, if in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you. You can trust me. I learned how to read when I was six. It's just that my eyes don't work like they used to when I was six. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. How if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would be for no reason to stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. In the message form, it says, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It has exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. You know, as the body of Christ, we are called to put aside our own agendas and to do what he wants us to do. Tonight, we were all wearing bracelets that says, I am second. And our church, we just finished a series on Wednesday nights. I don't know if y'all have seen it or not, but it's a lot of very famous people have done this and you can go on, see them on the internet. But where they've said that they are second, where they've put Jesus first and that Anything in their lives, if God can't come first, then it's not worth doing. And we did this, we did this for about six weeks in our church and listened to the testimonies of rock stars and movie stars and athletes, professional athletes. And they sat in a white chair and they gave their story of how they tried to be first in their lives. And it just didn't work until they decided to put Jesus first. And now they are second. Somebody told me that not too long ago, one of the, um, American Idol, one of the singers, had an I Am Second bracelet on that he was singing. So we have to be that part where we are part of the body and we function in the body, but we're not the whole body. We can't do everything our own. In the Greek, there's a Greek word that was used in there, and it says many members, and it means it's the Greek word pulvis, and it means huge quantity, but also great variety. So you see, it's not just that it takes a lot of people, but it takes a variety of people. Because each one of us has special gifts, something that we're good at. You know what? Serving God should be the easiest thing you ever have to do. It should not be difficult. Some people think that they have to kneel on glass 
for hours a day to be holy and, and to think that they're, they're holy enough for God to even look at them. No, serving God is easy. He's giving you a talent and he's giving you a gift and that's what he wants you to use for him. When my husband first started this church, our church that we've been pastoring 31 years now, and I went saying, I can't be a pastor's wife. I don't play the piano and I don't sing. I tell Boudreaux Thibodeau jokes. <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. And then one day God told me, just be who you are. Each one of you ladies, just be who you are. Don't try to be, you know, when you see somebody else, somebody else can sing, oh, I, I, I can't serve God unless God, you make me sing like her. No. Be what's comfortable for you. Because you know why? If you like doing it, you're going to keep doing it. And when the devil comes to you and says, why are you doing that? You're going to tell him, because I like it. It's fun. And he won't be able to convince you that you shouldn't be doing it. Because you're good at it. Amen? Many members, but variety. He talked about unity. We think that to be one body, we all have to come into unity. We think unity, we dream of the day when we all think and do the same thing. Really? Like that's ever going to happen. Put two women in a room and see if they're both going to do the same thing. <clears throat> I don't think so. Unity is when people are united in action and passion for a common cause. In other words, the shared goal is so strong that it removes hostilities and disagreements. I can agree with you. It was interesting. I have to tell you this wonderful story. God is so good, and he will put you in places that you never thought he would be. This past Tuesday, my husband and I had the honor of going to the governor's mansion in Baton Rouge. The ambassador to Israel was there, and they held a reception for him. And the room at the governor's mansion, there was about 200 people there, almost mostly pastors and their wives and legislators and you know different political figures that were there. And my husband had the the most awesome honor of praying over the Israeli ambassador. And there were Baptist pastors and Methodist pastors and full gospel pastors. And and we were all in there together. And, and of course, I think he did an awesome job, you know, because he's my king. But when he finished doing what he was supposed to do, he prayed in Hebrew. A Cajun playing in Hebrew when there's like lots of rabbis in the room. He said, no pressure, right? <laughs> and when you pray in Hebrew with a Cajun accent, it really makes it interesting. <laughs> but he did it. And then the program went so short that he did what he's supposed to do. And the guy in charge kept doing like this, like stretch it, stretch it, you know, keep talking. And the Holy Ghost fell. And he, he looked at the Israeli ambassador and he said, sir, he said, I remember when in 1967, Israel almost quit existing. You had to fight and fight and fight. And you almost didn't make it, but you did. You survived it. And then he said, I remember in 1973 on Yom Kippur, when you were attacked by all these nations gathered together and attacked you, and it looked like you weren't going to survive, but you did. And he said, Ambassador, he said, sir, he said, I can't tell you that it won't happen again. He said, I can't promise you that that won't happen again. He said, and I can't tell you that the president, whoever's in the presidency at that time would send troops and would help you. He said, but sir, I can guarantee you this one thing, that if it does happen again, millions of Americans will go into their prayer closets and get on their knees and pray for Israel. And every pastor, even the rabbis, every pastor in that room did exactly what you're doing. That we came as one. You know why? 
because it's a mandate from God that we are to love Israel, that we are to, that we are to take care of Israel. And the tears, Lisa, you just saw the tears float. And afterwards, he told the man in charge, he said, I go to a lot of these things. He's an ambassador. You know, everybody wants to see the ambassador. He said, I've been to many of these programs. He said, never have I been to one like this. Never have I felt the love that I felt in this room this day. To me, that was a prime example to show you how we came into unity. You know, the rabbi even said it. The rabbi who spoke after my husband, there was one rabbi and one Christian pastor that spoke. He even said, I I feel the love in here. I just feel the love coming from this room, you know, because the Jews think that everybody hates them. And the love that was there on that day, and it was just, it was just, it was like seeing it in action. I saw this pastor, this passage in Corinthians in action on that day. And it was just, I don't mean, nobody wanted to leave the room. It was like, ooh, yeah, let's just stay here for a while. This is pretty good. But you see, this happens when different gifts and different talents and anointings become connected together so that things can happen. Everybody in that room had the, had the purpose of let's, let's make this something special. You know, cause it's, sorry, you know, Cajuns, South Louisiana, we are very friendly anyway. So that's not, that was, that was the easy part as well. Plus the mandate that we have from the word of God to do it. But I want to tell you that for it to happen, we have to put aside our own and think about the general purpose. I, a good example of this is I go to Mexico very frequently. I haven't been in, in two years because where we go, it's kind of dangerous right now. But almost every year I've gone and I do a ladies conference up in the mountains in Chinelo. Well, these ladies don't even speak Spanish. They speak Sotseo Indian. It's an Indian dialect. And they are about this big. I love to go there because it makes me feel so tall. Yeah. <laughs> One year we taught puppets and we made puppet theaters and they just looked at us because they couldn't reach them. They couldn't, when they put their hands up, you still couldn't see the puppet. So we had to cut them down and I'm teaching how to do puppets from here. You know, this is where their puppet stage went and I'm standing here and trying to do puppets and you see my whole head. But anyway, in order for me to get the message to them, I have to go through two interpreters. I have to speak it in English. Then the girl speaking next to me has to speak it in Spanish. And then it has to be translated into social for them to understand. Well, you know what? That's unity there because I have no idea what they're saying at the end. I just tell them, make me look good. Okay, just just do it. Because by the time it goes from me to one to the other, but it but it takes three to do it. If I just got up there and spoke, I would be useless. They wouldn't understand a word I was saying. And if the Spanish interpreter wouldn't have showed up that day, who knows how to speak English and Spanish, we'd have been lost. And if the social interpreter, who knows how to speak Spanish and social, would have decided to be sick that day, we'd have been lost. Because they don't understand Spanish. Even though they live in Mexico, they don't understand it. So it takes all of us doing our part to make it happen. And for that to happen, we're going to talk about the word team. You know, they tell you there's no I in team, which is exactly right. If you see the word team, there's no I there, which means you have to work with somebody else. But if we take the letters that make up the word team and we write it and make it spell meet, then you can understand that to be part of a team, you're going to have to get into the word. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to get the meat of the word into your spirit. Because how are you going to minister to someone? If you're called 
to be an intercessor, how are you going to be an be a successful intercessor if you don't know what the word says about how you should pray? And in, because you're going to get different situations every time somebody asks you to pray for them, it's going to be something different. You better know all the different types of prayers and how to pray in that situation. You've got to get into the meat of the word to do that, right? It's still a team. I just rearranged the letters. They're still there, part of the team. Now, after you've done that, and you know you've got the word in your spirit, I can rearrange the words again, and it spells the word mate. You need a prayer partner. You need somebody. And if you're married, it's your spouse. And if you're not married, it's your bestest friend in the whole wide world. But you need somebody that you can bounce something off. If God's telling you to do something, and you go to that, you go to that mate, you go to that friend, and you say, look, I, I kind of got this in my spirit. What do you think? And you bounce it off of them. They can say, hey, man, that's God. Go with it. Or they can say, you ate too much cabbage last night. Forget it. <laughs> so we can have a team that's got to have the meat that needs a mate. And then I can do it one more time. And we're going to rearrange those letters one more time. And it says me at the place God wants me to be. Because when you have hook you up as part of a team and you've studied the word and you've got the word of God in you and you've got a mate, someone that you can bounce it off with, then you have to be at the place that God wants you to be. And when ladies, when you are at that place, functioning where God wants you to be, things are going to happen. Israeli ambassadors are going to cry because Christian pastors are praying for them. Women who don't speak English are going to be able to understand what God has purpose and a plan for their life too because everybody's filling in and doing what they're supposed to be and doing what they're supposed to do we have to get rid of our old independent way of thinking and learn how to be integrated into the greater whole we need each other without each other's input and gifts gifts we are not complete and ladies if we're going to do something great for the kingdom we have to quit letting the devil talk us out of things that god wants us to do and the only way you're going to be able to do that is that you got to get, you got to become part of the team, get into the meeting the Lord, see what God has to say about the situation. And when the devil comes, you say, sorry, devil, uh-uh, I read in the word just the other day that it says this, that I am more than a conqueror, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I am the head and not the tail, that I'm the apple of his eye. He chose me. I'm special. And I've got somebody that can I can go to and bounce it off with, and they're going to be alongside of me, and they're going to help me. And I'm going to be at the place that you want me to be, to be able to be used. You know, if you don't show up, they can't use you. Eddie decided to stay home. He messed my whole thing up. I want to pray a confession over you tonight. And I want you to listen to it, and I want you to receive it as if you were receiving it from the Lord. And it says, I confess that God has made me a part of an awesome team. Every day we are becoming better and better. And as a result of the unity that exists between us, we are achieving more than we ever dreamed. So much power is released as we strive together to reach the common purpose God has given us. In fact, the impossible is possible. And the supernatural seems natural with the help of the Holy Spirit. Strife is removed and harmony is at work as we all reach toward our common God-given goal. And you're never too old to do what God wants you to do. I have something that was written by a lady by the name of Regina Brett. She turned 90 years old 
last August. She's a columnist for The Plain Dealer in Cleveland, Ohio. And she wrote this article of the 45 lessons that life has taught me. And here is her column. Number one, life isn't fair, but it's still good. Number two, when in doubt, just take the next small step. Number three, life is too short. Enjoy it. Number four, your job won't take care of you when you're sick. Your friends and family will. Number five, pay off your credit cards every month. <laughs> Number six, you don't have to win every argument. Stay true to yourself. Number seven, cry with someone. It's more healing than crying alone. Number eight, it's okay if you get angry with God. He can take it. Number nine, save for retirement, starting with your first paycheck. Number 10, when it comes to chocolate, resistance is futile. <laughs> Number 11, make peace with your past so it won't screw up the present. Number 12, it's okay to let your children see you cry. Number 13, don't compare your life to others. You have no idea what their journey is all about. Number 14, if a relationship has to be secret, you shouldn't be in it. Number 15, everything can change in the blink of an eye. But don't worry, God never blinks. Number 16, take a deep breath. It calms the mind. Number 17, get rid of anything that isn't useful. Clutter weighs you down in many ways. Number 18, whatever doesn't kill you really does make you stronger. Number 19, it's never too late to be happy, but it's all up to you and no one else. Number 20, when it comes to going after, going after what you love in life, don't take no for an answer. Number 21, burn the candles, use the nice sheets, wear the fancy lingerie. Don't save it for a special occasion. Today is special. <laughs> 22. Don't, okay, over-prepare, but then go with the flow. 23, be eccentric now. Don't wait for old age to wear purple. <laughs> Number 24, the most important sex organ is the brain. Number 25, no one is in charge of your happiness but you. Number 26, frame every so-called disaster with these five with these words, in five years will this matter? Number 27, always choose life. 28, forgive. 29, I love this one. What other people think of you is none of your business. <laughs> Number 30, time heals almost everything. Give time, time. Thir 31, however good or bad a situation is, it will change. Number 32, don't take yourself so seriously. No one else does. <laughs> 33, believe in miracles. 34, God loves you because of who God is, not because of anything you did or didn't do. Number 35, don't audit life. Show up and make the most of it now. Number 36, growing old beats the alternative of dying young. Number 37, your children get only one childhood. Number 38, all that truly matters in the end is that you loved. Number 39, get outside every day. Miracles are waiting everywhere. Number 40, this is my favorite. If we all threw our problems in a pile and saw everyone else's, we'd grab ours back.
So true. So true. Number 41. Envy is a waste of time. Accept what you already have, not what you need. 42. The best is yet to come. I believe that. Number 43. No matter how you feel, get up, get dressed, show up. Number 44. Yield. And the last one, number 45, life isn't tied with a bow, but it's still a gift. Isn't that cool? And this is the lady who wrote it. I love it, man. She is dressed to the hilt. And the fanciest stuff you ever saw, and color, color, color. 90. Well, she'll be 91 this August. She turned 90 last August. Huh? Oh, you're writing them. You know what? What I'll do is I will leave this with Tanya. And if y'all want to, you know, maybe she, they can make some copies of it for you. Okay? Yeah. Because, you know, I think as, as women, that's something we should read every day. <laughs> or at least once a week to get it in our spirit. And I hope that now that you've heard that, and I can hear you responding to it, is that you're going to take this opportunity to, to do some of these things. To quit thinking about your problems and concentrating on what somebody did or didn't do to you or somebody who didn't, you know, talk to you when you thought everybody should have talked to you when you walked in the room and concentrate on what would God have you to do. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I want to pray and I, and I want you to come down to the front. If it's okay, Tanya, if I bring them down, we're going to, we're going to come down just a minute. Those of you who you know, you know, and you know, and you know that God has a calling in your life, that there is something that you're supposed to be doing for the Lord and that the devil has been keeping you from doing it. I want you to come down here and we're going to, we're going to lay hands on you, the family life, the, the workers, they're going to come and they're going to get behind you. And we're going to just kick the devil in the teeth tonight because this church is growing. And, and you know what? And the devil doesn't sleep. He's still out there. He's not going to just lay down because we all had a good time tonight. And everybody's going to be fired up. You're going to have to step up, become part of this team, and do what God's called you to do in Lafayette. Each one of us. For my ladies that are here from Word of Life, you're going to have to rise up and do what God's called you to do at Word of Life. We can't do it. Anybody who's doing something by themselves will never accomplish very much. Even, even if you are wonderful at it and you are really, really good at it, you can only do so much until you burn out. And that's why it takes, my husband always says this, how do you, how do you get people to eat an elephant? You just get everybody to take one bite. Get, a, get enough people to gather and they all take one bite and you can take care of that elephant. Especially if they're Cajuns, they'll take two and three bites. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, no, that's it. If, let's do it. Let's, those of you, be bold enough to say, this is the night that I commit, that I've joined the team, that I become a part, a functioning part, not just a showing up part, but a functioning part, giving my gifts and my talents to the Lord that we can do great things here. Amen?